Normally at this point on the football podcast, you'd be listening to the dulcet tones of Graham Wilson. Um, but at this time, we feel it was important to record something that um, showed our support for Black Lives Matter and our respect for George Floyd. Um, in a world that is hopefully changing and where statues are being torn down, we hope that um, the rules are still turned down as well. And this is for George Floyd, and this is what needs to change.
Hello and welcome to another episode of Fitball. I have been joined by my two colleagues. Uh, their names reflect in their demeanour, so I will just ask, is Paul Dominic Cummins O'Neill there? <laughs> yes, I am. That's down to his lackey reality about anything. And is Alan Boris Johnson Hosey there? I'm quite insulted to be uh, yes I am. That's because we he's got a tendency to just disappear and never appear <laughs> ever with, anywhere. So once again, uh we, we this is a, the last show in this kind of format for a wee bit because we thought we'd have nothing to talk about, but of course Scottish football ne- never lets you down. And the first thing we're going to talk about straight away is yet another reconstruction proposal, Paul. Yep. Um which one are we talking about? Is it uh, the ones they want or this new one with the Colts? No, the, the Huns and the, the, this whole Colts and whatever the fuck that is and 14-14-130 or something that is. Fucking nonsense is frankly my opinion on that. Um, I don't understand like why, apart from money, like why the lower league teams would want that. Mm. Playing against, they're talking about it would encourage crowds and stuff if like, if, Celtic and Rangers were away from home and they'd get bigger crowds but how long would that last for? The novelty would wear off pretty quickly in terms of watching kids play against Albion Rovers or whatever. Mm. Plus, it makes a mockery. Say again? I'm just saying it make a mockery of the leagues. It's like, I, I don't understand that at all. Tradition that would go to the windy. Plus, we didn't need more teams. Probably need less teams if, if you were actually being cutthroat a bit. I mean, it's, 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 it's fucking shambles. Uh, anybody who's imagining there's going to be like fucking stacks of crowds. Have you ever looked at the crowds in the Challenge Cup when like all the Colt teams are playing? They're mm. absolutely shit. There's nearly support at Well, I know. I've never been to one, and I've never had any inclination to go to one of the games. But I mean, Jose, we just seeing another example of how out of touch with reality the people that are in Scottish football are. I mean, it is. It's just like, oh, well, if they're all coming up with just a random fucking ideas, we'll just fire them in. It's like, I fucking, I didn't understand really the timing. This was KB, you know that one. That's right, yeah. that one ago where it was like fucking that was not back. So I'm not quite sure why it's resurfaced or why it's... I think it's resurfaced purely for opportunism. That There's a, a bit of... A bit of divide in the game and they will be what's the best way to go forward and they're just chancing their own way. Uh, try We'll chuck you a wee, a wee bit of money we'll, we'll t- dangle that carrot, but... Aye. I mean, I have to say, a, a remarkable turn of events. Like, I thought the Huns, I thought the other proposal, kind of one where like, loaning players and also loaning a coach to a lower league side. I was like that. I didn't actually fucking hate that. I didn't hate that as an idea. I'm kind of like, yeah, you can see that. You can see the benefits both sides there, including like, the sort of lower league side gets a bit better coaching and stuff than they would, than they would mm. normally. And you're like, yeah, actually, I can see, I can see that there's some merit in that. But I mean, actually, that. I mean, I, I kind of agree with, but I did hear Jim McAnally on the radio were absolutely ballistic about that and said it was patronising to the teams and that the notion that they would put coaches in for the teams that they were getting the players from was was ridiculous because we're doing the same coaching at Peter Heed or Elgin or whatever as they are doing at Hertz Hibs or Celtic. Mm. But that's that said, they're not, they're not going to be open, very open to the actual coaches and a, a job in there. Mm. Imagine yeah, the clubs I, themselves would be quite happy with it. Aye, I mean, what I, what I would say, if it's if it's another coach in addition, can that actually be a bad thing? You know what I mean? It's like, even at that point, you turn around and you can actually fire on some fucking extra coaching session for fucking, like, 
so the local community has ruined those clubs. Mm-hmm. Ken, you could not ruin them. You can actually fucking use that as something which is actually a bit good, even if you only got to massively use them. Like if you're a first team, mm-hmm. presumably that's what the coach is there for. The coach is there to benefit the club. So you can turn around, I try to take advantage of them, the fact that they should probably coach that at a higher level, which you can get. And you can potentially do some fucking community stuff with it. I don't see how that's bad. Well, the, the thing for me as well, though, is like what? What's wrong with just loaning players out? Like, it, it helps. It benefits teams as well. Teams like Falkirk or Dunfermline and St Mirren over the years have had good players on loans and, and stuff, and it's helped them. They also help. They also get to pick up players that maybe didn't make the cut at these academies. Whereas all that happened now is they probably get stockpiled. Aye. And Aye. They, and if they're playing in say the third division, league two, that's a lesser standard, and they could probably get loaned out to in the championship. I know the theory is they would go up, but there's no guarantees of that. Uh, I mean, I kind of think, I kind of loans in general. It's like, I think players who are continuously getting loaned out for their clubs, it's like there isn't that many of them that make it. No. There isn't many of them that go back to their club and then say, right, that should get in the first team. It's like, it doesn't really happen a lot. It's like the one, uh, I think I might be mentioned it, the one with Leo Henderson. Done fucking pretty well at Hibs. Went back to Celtic and it was like, and I think he played six times that season or something. He didn't play a lot anyway. So maybe it was six starts or something. But anyway, it was kind of like he wasn't getting used in big games at all and he played like half a dozen games in a season it's like that hasn't got to develop you very much coming off the bench coming off the bench for Celtic it doesn't develop you know you can play three games like three games for somebody else it just doesn't well let me give you what I believe is a counter argument against that is for lower league clubs which they say is why should they develop players for other teams they've probably not got the resources to have squad, the size of squads they would like to have so are you talking about in terms of taking a loan player? Aye, like, I mean I've heard that with three different managers say well why should we you know, make players better for bigger clubs I, I get that argument as well I've said it as a Hearts fan when we've taken players on loan I didn't particularly like it but I think there's a I think there's a place for it especially in the lower leagues because they probably rely on it a lot more when they're, on, they're getting players on year to year contracts mm-hmm I, I think that helping these teams is probably where you should be focusing the ones rather than just... I don't understand loaning players feel like within the same league as yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that personally. But um, I, I get that argument as well, though, because your own, own players are important. But if you've no good youth players coming through your own ranks, then I don't see the harm in supplementing your squad. OK, another thing I've heard... Which, this is something I agree with, and it kind of goes back to what Jose just said there is, what benefit does somebody for, say, I don't know, Aberdeen have gone to Albion Rovers? That, 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 I don't know I mean, like, you know. What? Are you, what you, happens for loans? I mean, some players step up to the mark and enjoy the pressure of a proper competitive game where it, where they're going to a changing room where the results matter to the guys in charge. It's maybe, maybe a 50 quid win bonus at stake or something. It matters to these guys. It's no youth football. I think yeah, I get that, picture. but what the point I'm trying to make is, let's say, as a hypothetical, you know, Joe Bloggs goes for Hibs to Peter Heed. Does that prepare him to come back to Hibs to go to play at Ibrox, Tyne Castle, Celtic Park? I'll tell you what, one, one that's kind of, it's a wee bit of a counter-argument to that. As Hibs fired Ryan Portis, he was out on loan to Edinburgh City 
and he was he played for the Lions six months or so, and done pretty well. Came back, and it was like within a couple of months, he made his debut at Ibrox. He made his debut at Ibrox, and it's like you don't care how much how much his loans would still held, but he was going to compete proper competitive adult football, and it's like even if it's only sort of six months where you're doing that, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like that's how can it have done you any harm? How can it have done you any harm? As, I think as, especially especially in something like that, somebody like him who's like quite sort of physical, but my suspicion would be that in any sort of youth level football, he'd probably be the strongest player at the club. Like, and he's never getting bullied. That isn't necessarily going to be the case when he's playing like in week two. No, it's that, not. It's yeah. not. But surely, is this not all building to the argument of why did they not just bring back the reserve league and have the games played at other stadiums that the first teams playing like they used to do? I would quite like that, but I don't know how much it would work from a financial point of view. Because how many extra players would teams have to to carry, especially teams would be like that are carrying really small squads? I think how much would they have to? But because the alternative is if it ends up being an under twenty league, effectively, then it just the same problem is what's what's the benefit for that playing against the same players all, well, all the way up. Well, that's the thing. You know what? I mean, you know, I I spoke to a player who made his debut in a big game, and he said that you know I'd played at that ground for fifteen times before I played, so I wasn't phased by it at all. Right. Whereas you know a lot of guys just turn up and expected to play in this game and that game and all the rest of it. Also, I spoke to uh, Simon Donnelly, who told me he played at Tynecastle once for Celtic Reserves against Hertz. And Hertz, who I can't remember who it was, centre-half got injured in the warm-up. And Eamon Bannon was doing the coaching, came in and played centre-half. And Simon Donnelly was 17 thinking, fucking hell, I'll run this old bastard all over the place. And he said he got a complete lesson for Eamon Bannon that day about how to play football and where to go and all that kind of thing. That's never going to happen to guys... You know, nowadays because they're not even you know, you very rarely see an experienced player in the lower leagues these days unless it's somebody that I mean I say experience I've just had experience of playing lower league football. Mm-hmm. You know, guys didn't drop down divisions. I mean that seems to be something that just doesn't happen anywhere where you know, I, I was looking back at the records and I think one of the last examples yeah, actually was when um Hibs were in the first division in ninety eight, ninety nine, where guys took the leap to play in that level, sort of mm-hmm. with the knowledge that I will probably go up anyway. And this will be Aye. a good start. I mean, when, can you honestly see anybody decent going to the championship nowadays from a higher level? I mean, I the one, the ones, the ones who do, it tends to be somebody. I might maybe I've started in that club or something mm. like that. Mm. That's what that's what you tend to actually get more than anything else. But it's like it's the same with fucking like loads of players. I mean, it's like it's like Hearts are interested in Craig Gordon. Craig Gordon's not a decent keeper or whatever. But the reason why Craig Gordon would be signing for Hearts is like it's. It's kind of it's an emotional thing for them, rather than a sort of like performance thing mm. or that. And it's like I don't mind players doing that, as well, but you want to be still some mobility. I mean, the problem that I mean, I kind of know a wee tiny bit about this is that Craig Gordon has been offered a new contract by Celtic, which would probably be what he has to playing paying five for six of their players total right. uh, next season. There's a problem, and Celtic at the time can afford to pay some cunt like him to sit on the bench. And again, as you say, it's whether he wants to actually go and play football or he wants to just have a wee nest egg at the end of his career. I get that the Hibs situation was different in 1989 because they had Alec McLeish, who was kind of had a big name in football and Scottish football and all the rest of it. And kind of after an initial um, freakish start with Hibs against you know, Stranraer and that, 
you know, they basically walks the league and and and, and the rest of it. But it's interesting that Hibs were able to get the quality player that they did. You know, Aye. you know. Um, it, it was, it was, it was like 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 when we signed Sozzi. I'm pretty sure that was like a fucking promotion wasn't it guaranteed at the point when they signed Sozzi. Yeah. I think that was like middle of January or something. Mm-hmm. Signed Latakia and. September, September, October, or something like mm. that. Certainly a wee bit of the season, but aye, they signed basically the best player that I think I've ever seen fucking playing for him into mm. the first division. Like when we'd been absolutely shy up to that point, it was like, and I obviously he had fucking issues or whatever, but fantastic football player. And it was like, ah, how the fuck can see available to him? No, no. Okay, and it's like it's not a question now. Like, can they go? I didn't understand how the fuck he was available to him. But players, I think players. Now are less willing to actually move out your comfort zone. I think mm. players probably are. It's like I'm at a decent club here. I'm on decent money, and it's like it feels less to be playing and more about earning football like quite a bit, which is, mm. I understand the, the amount of money in football. I didn't actually grudge players getting fucking high wages. It's like they're getting high wages because they're the ones that are fucking introducing all the fucking money into the game. No, I mean that's fair enough. I think it's like. I've never been against um, top players getting big contracts because they are. You see the effect that these players have on fans. You know it's um, in- incredible. But on that um, sort of money aspect, they just broke about five o'clock with the um, Celtic announced that to the season ticket holders that essentially they want the full money um, for your season ticket. And uh, it doesn't matter how many behind closed doors games we play, they're going to basically still say you want that money. There'll be no kickback for it. And um, it's kind of thrown the Celtic Twitter, as you would expect, into meltdown. Because um, people are rightly kind of saying, well, if I've got a household of three people, three season tickets at an average of 600 quid, you want us to pay 1,800 quid to get one computer stream into our house? You know, because let's be clear here, this is a computer stream. It's not BT providing games or Sky providing games or anything like that. Which I think they then, I don't know if you saw it, sort of Thursday, Friday, where they announced that they were bringing in the people that run BT's uh, streams. Now, I'll be be honest, I've never seen a BT stream, per se. You know, I've watched the games on BT channel, but I've never watched any games on a computer. So I don't know how good or bad that is. But I genuinely think by the looks of this, it looks as though they thought by saying that and dangling the names of Chris Sutton and that forward, everybody would be like, oh, that's fantastic then. When in reality, um, people have, have went absolutely fucking ballistic. And I did manage to actually speak to someone at Celtic who basically tried to, to dangle the emotional carrot of 10 in a row and talking about costs and talking about threats for other teams and all that kind of thing. And it just felt to me, I don't know, he's obviously then supposed to say that we were being told that, you know, we expect everybody else to sacrifice except us, you know? Mm. And I'm not really comfortable with that at all. Um, what's the situation at your clubs regarding season tickets just now? Uh, we are, I think I said before, we've gave a, a guarantee that you'll get minimum 18 games at your season mm. ticket. Motherwell done the same, oh. I believe, aye. Aye. So, well, you'll get the value of 18 games. So if whether or not 
you get eight, say you get nine games this season, you get the value of nine take off next season, right. season ticket uh-huh. price. Uh-huh. And if you don't get a season ticket, you get nine individual tickets. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much being guaranteed, which I think is more than fair. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, a decent gesture. Jose, what about Hibs? Uh, I, I don't think Hibs have actually made an official announcement. I don't think Hibs have made an official announcement, but they've basically been saying in their comms, it's like, well, this is a virtual season ticket thing, this is why we can see it happening. And there'll be a, I think, what they were saying, it looked like whatever the price of the games are, they'll basically, they'll be banking a refund on your season ticket for the remainder of the amount. So if like, if streams are tenor, Mm-hmm. They'll basically say, right, we're taking a tenner off your season ticket. So if your season ticket's like, I don't know, 20 quid a game or whatever, it's like you've got to be due a tenner refund. So and they haven't said how they're going to do that. Are you saying that they're, they're, going to, they're saying they're going to be selling streams to non season ticket holders? I, I believe that's the case for everyone. Because I, well, I was being told that we're not allowed to do that. No, that was you and Murray talking shit, because you and Murray always talk shit. No, no, I'm talking about this was officially to Celtic. We have been told by Celtic that we will not be selling this to any non-season ticket holders. And that the only other people that will get it will be current subscribers to Celtic TV who live abroad. Because I'll tell you before, it made me think that I'd thought about this in the sense of, this is a, as like, you know, for example, if I'm paying 600 quid and then Joe Bloggs is paying a tenner, how is that fair? And he's not a season ticket holder. But I'd, I'd fucked up the math here. This was being done. They've done this as an inducement to buy a season ticket. Aye. That's that's, that's totally like what. Aye. So, that's what, what, what I believe that the rule is, is that you can only sell a season ticket package for all your games mm-hmm. up to the level a number of season ticket, season ticket holders your glasses. So you can't turn around and say, Right, we've got to sell this for like sort of half the price or whatever, because Sky Army went to lose fucking subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the reason why they had to get an agreement with Sky. It was like, but my understanding was that they could only sell up to a maximum of this number of season tickets. Mm-hmm. But that was for the season pass. That isn't the, that isn't the case for individual games. I think individual games are going to be on sale. That's that's why they have read It's like because the one that I'd seen, the one that I'd seen, like you and Murray was like, oh no, you can't even in the day. That's I didn't think that's the case. How do you sell? How does one club sell a game for a tenner and another club says uh, 20 quid, 30 quid, whatever? That can't be right, surely. I, th- I think the reason why it hasn't been announced is I think because all the clubs will be talking to each other and making sure that everybody's paying the same price. They'll I be mean, trying to agree a sort of set price so that there isn't any incentive to do that. I mean, the other... I, think, I, think it's the home cl- I think it's the home clubs who are going to be keeping all the revenue. Aye, which I totally agree with. But that's the other Aye. thing is that let's say Hibs v Celtic is the only telly as like Sky who've obviously got forty eight games, and then they make that available to Celtic, Celtic supporters. That's going to have a huge uptake of people who want to watch the game, right? Of right. But the problem I see, and this speaks on experience of staying in America, is will Hibs or whoever for that matter be able to handle that amount of traffic watching the game? I don't know. Like up. I would assume that most of them are like fucking Amazon or whatever, where it's like the amount of bandwidth that you go, it'll scale up. I would, I would like to think so. Yeah. I would like to think so for somewhere like that, but you, you wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't guarantee it. But 
there'll be fucking companies that'll turn around and be like, "Aye, we'll turn around and do that for you." And it's like it shouldn't. That shouldn't be a massive. That shouldn't I mean, be a massive. It should be something that they guarantee. You know that they, they, they can't because I know for a fucking fact with Celtic TV, if it was a bigger game, they'd be fucking hopeless. I mean, it was just because you had so many people into the same stream that it was just fucking garbage and. You know, the big complaint with CLTV was always them trying to track people who are um, pirating the game as opposed to improving the technology for the people who are actually paying for it, like, you know. And it would get to the point, I mean, I remember, because obviously Celtic TV weren't allowed to show European games because that fell under the UEFA jurisdiction. And I remember watching a game in Sion and it was one of the absolutely best quality you've ever seen in your life. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? You know, I'm paying X amount of dollars a, a, a month to watch this shit. And this is I can find this stream for fuck all on the on the, the computer, I, and it's ten times better. I mean that that I think I think to be honest, I think the reason why they'll have to have like basically pay per view, they'll basically have to be pay per view mm-hmm. this way that they're doing. Mm. But I think kind of the reason why they have to is because if you're getting fucking ten thousand passes, like like for the case for like just your season ticket holders. The chances they make a tide on that is the absolute fuck up. You have to turn around and fucking try and generate some income mm-hmm. as opposed to everybody just pirating it, which if they didn't have that in place, then that's totally what's going to happen. That's mm-hmm. going to fuck Sky. Like, we won't be able to fucking turn around the pay-per-view. So that's, that's kind of, that's my understanding of the agreement. Aye. My I mean, understanding is that it's going to be pay-per-view for all games apart from Sky ones, which means that fucking basically there'll hardly be any, I think there'll hardly be any Celtic or Rangers for games. Because all of them will be on Skype. Absolutely, every single one of them is going to be on Skype. So. And I'll be—I'll tell you something else. I'll be interested because I know they were kind of saying, "Oh, what about the fixture list and etc." Which, by the way, see the fixture list for next season. That's something I've never even thought about. <laughs> I've just never even. But Sky have clearly made it clear that they want all the Celtic Hun games, you know, in front of crowds, which is going to make a bizarre fixture list. But anyway, Paul, there's no deal for the championship. Is—is is it looking like her season? Should the championship go ahead, start in October? Uh, I've been reading it. I fuck knows why. Because like, talk- initially when they said it in October, the-, the chat a few weeks back was because it was going to be a curtailed season. It would be 18 games at start in October. But now they're talking about playing 36 mm-hmm. from October. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't understand. What's the difference between clubs being ready between October and September? If you can play in October... And it's not going to be if it's going to be behind closed or Viking, you know, playing September. I mean, Space you, rather than, I mean, my my, my assumption with that, I fucking I don't care at all. I've kind of I've kind of started to lose interest in that a wee bit. But <laughs> my guess my guess with that would be that I'd be no turning than thinking October's going to be closer to the point where you can get fans back in the stadium. Well, so well, you turn they basically just have. You basically have midweek fucking games all the fucking time through to the end of the season. I mean, and at least some of them might be recurrent. Assuming, yeah, right. I think that is, a, sorry, I was going to say, I think that is a theory, but uh, the problem with that is if it ends up being, say, till December, you're then going to have all these games squashed in a tight period mm-hmm. with crowds anyway. Uh, I Whereas if it was September, for instance, you could at least space it one a week. I mean, right, you've got, you've got a case of three midweek, so the time's going That's not your Assuming the championship is the clubs that are currently in it right now, Hertz are the only club that's going to have any issue with social distancing, surely. Um. Well, they say was it say the quarter stadiums if, mm. if they let people in first. That's what I said at the moment. So I don't know. Like, I mean, what, Dundee maybe a quarter. 
there's two things about that. First of all, I heard you know the question Celtic about this. You were talking about ballot and fans to get in, right? Mm-hmm. And um, whoever does that ballot, you know, I'd, I'd fucking invest in an underground bunker, you know, because that's <laughs> going to be. You know what it's like when your team gets to a cup final or whatever and all these cunts come out the woodwork and they're like, here's why I deserve to be there. That's going to be for every fan. Fucking gone, like, you know what I mean? You think they've got a divine right. Because um, it's just brilliant. And the other thing about it is, you know how, like, at away games, no matter what happens, it's always the tickets always seem to end up in the hands of the same guys, no matter, you know, whatever. See if that happens with this, they'll be fucking all out civil war. If somebody... <laughs> Has seen it one game and then seen it another, and they're like, "Wait a minute, how the fuck is he?" You know, I tell you, they'll be all. I've seen him twice. <laughs> but once, so you one... if you're if you're not paying fucking five hundred quid a season ticket, you have a point as well. You know what I mean? You, you, In what sense? Seen... Like, I think if if it was for if it was a kind of old pals act and somebody had connections amongst oh, I mean, listen, they would never. That would be fucking unbelievable. But one solution that came up last week, and I'm interested to get your views on this, was for Hibs and Hearts was playing at Murrayfield. Yes, um, I I think after we last played there, I said I'd never go to another football game at Murrayfield. I fucking hate the place. It is awful. There's no doubt about it. But in these circumstances, a quarter of the stadium would be sixteen thousand, and you could maybe get a decent crowd in. Okay, but see when you see a decent crowd, Paul, you're you're not going to be sitting next to any cunt. No, I, I know he's got to be spread about. Which is a bonus at a Hertz game. I'll grant you. <laughs> but you know what I mean, Jose? It's like. That's part of it. I mean, it's something that you tr- we try and you have, you know, it's one of the things I miss about football is you've gone with your mates regardless. Right. I've always said, you know, like, Paul, we were in that Bayern Munich game. We booked tickets for the section so we could all just sit mm-hmm. together and blah, blah, blah. It's great. But eventually, of course, like, if you're getting old like us, you sit in the same place every week, you get to know everybody around you and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. But the notion you just sit there on your own at a game... You know, mm-hmm. and have to run twenty five seats to give these things to the away fans after you score is, you know, I mean, is is it? I mean, let me tell you something, right? And I'm prepared to be shot down here, right? Because I've not done any research on it, right? But see if it was fucking possible. See if it was fucking possible. I would put oil if it went to hibernation till this thing was over. I I I would agree. Like, having the league start at different times and mm-hmm. potentially different fucking sets of fixtures I mean, and games. This is a Scottish football podcast and we love Scottish football, the, the good, the bad and the ugly, right? But, you know, what the fuck is going on with English Premier League? Like, yeah. But games yeah. coming back and cunts getting tested every five and you think, what the fuck is going on? But then players are getting tested positive and then they have to self-isolate for a certain point. But then the, the other players they play with, didn't they, because they're socially distancing training. Are you telling me these players are staying two metres from each other at training session not at all times? Well, I heard a guy from Redden saying that one of the things they're going to have to do when they go to an away match is book out the entire hotel. That, and so they can all socially distance and all that. I mean, it's, it's utter pish. It's like, you know... In fairness, in fairness the hotel's only getting used a lot. Well, no, that's true, obviously. But <laughs> how can you talk about social distance and then go and play a fucking football match? It's just yeah. fucking it's bizarre. Anyway, moving on. Uh, squads. How are your squads looking for this year? Who have you let go? Have you brought anybody in? What's happening? 
Well, there's no point in anybody in the hearts. And we've got, you said that with such dread in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's just more resignation that we'll not be saying anybody for a while until we know what the fuck mm. was happening. Or I think we know what's happening, but until it's... Uh, you released a lot of players. Aye, we've re- released a few. Um, Oliver Bozanic, Dick De- Dicamona, uh, a lot of young guys. Anybody we've heard of? Who's he have heard of? Bozanic, he scored in the last derby. Uh, fuck off. <laughs> so we've, we've released a few. Basically, anybody that was at your contract hasn't even given a new one. Aye. Uh, I mean, we- two young guys. The two high-profile ones we've let go is Johnny Hayes and Joseph Suminovich, which, you know, I like Suminovich, but he's fucking injury-prone. And Johnny Hayes, you know, I hate to say it, but see, if he was in the Irish, people would fucking would not like him at all because he's fucking no good. Um, Jose, what about him? I've not really had much. There's, to be honest, they basically go to the players on loan, go to the Slivka. Well, never got ready. It was just like just never renewed on Aye. Uh, and Bogdan as well like mm-hmm. he was away but he, he never never kept him off so I so absolutely fucking absolutely no much happening at all and to be honest I would be surprised if Hibs didn't end up fucking getting rid of quite a few players like mm. like I, I think they'll turn around and cut in the squad like if I can't <laughs> end up any option I think that's going to be the same for most clubs oh, it's like him in terms of signings, I think the, the only two that I heard was Kogic, Faye Hamilton, you know, wouldn't mind to think he's a half decent player, and Trey Wright, St. Johnson. I think that was, that's the only two that I've, been, that I've seen mentioned. There was like somebody fucking Harcourt, or literally never heard it. Oh, I had to have liked heavily with him, I'm like, ah, who the fuck is <laughs> like literally no idea who he is but uh, I, that, that's only two they've been linked to it and to be honest at this moment in time until they're working out how they've got any fucking money at all I don't think they'll be signing very many I mean the thing is as well is it going to be you know, obviously you want to get rid of players but there's going to be an abundance of players to pick for should there I, be opportunities to sign folk you know what I mean I, if, if anybody's got any fucking cash this is this is the transfer fucking window that you want to have some cash because if uh-huh. you go cash now it's like you'll be able to pick up an absolute fucking barrel of really good players for way less money than they would normally because wages are just going to fucking disappear. It's yeah. like Nacon's got money. Nacon's got Nacon at all and Fibble's got to have any money. So it's like, I think I've seen, I've seen like a couple of Aberdeen supporters on fucking Pie and Bovril who were turning around and fucking talking about fucking figures like potentially for Lewis Ferguson and McKenna and stuff uh, and I'm like that. I'm like that. I didn't think reality has actually fucking no, written yet that Nacon's going to get. Nacon is going to be buying fucking five million pounds from Scott McGinnell in this environment. No, I, I read a thing, you know, Brendan Rogers has constantly been linked to Christopher Ayer for money and all the rest of it, and about 15 million quid. And a lot, there seemed to be this natural thing where we should invest a lot of that money in Scott McKenna. Like, honestly, I'd, I'd prefer fucking Paul McKenna to be quite honest than him. He's fucking useless. He's, yeah. I mean, I mean, somebody, I, may, I heard somebody, might have been, where was it like, he played for Scotland, was it, did he play for Scotland at fucking Petordia or something, Paul? McKenna, aye, I mean, I've done last and, year. Uh, I mean, it just, it just, in some kind, referred to him that night, he's a poor man's Harry Maguire. And I thought, well, Harry Maguire's fucking rubbish. So how bad <laughs> must McKenna be, like, you know what I mean? Um, 
But anyway, going to that, the nostalgia games, what you've been watching. Now, we're going to talk about England-Scotland uh, at the end of this podcast, the Euro 96, but the couple of ones, the first one that I watched was uh, Aberdeen 4 Huns 1 in the 1982 Scottish Cup final. And if you remember that, it was one all at full time, extra time, Aberdeen kind of ran over the top of them. But there was something I'd never seen before or, um, or couldn't remember, was that the bang on the final whistle, Alec Ferguson went over to Duke Rugby and almost killed him. He was literally tearing a strip off him for the whole of the extra time fucking... T- he never spoke to anybody else. He was just basically like... Yeah. See, see that? Mm-hmm. I, see that? Apparently, uh, that's Ferguson's biggest regret in football in that game because he says that at the end of the game, he turned around and he was just raging about all the things that he'd done wrong as opposed to enjoying the fact that he'd fucking like just won a Scottish Cup final 4-1. It was like that. I was just fucking absolutely feeling it. It was like, and I gives his wife on saying to him, what the fuck are you doing? And it's like, why are you turning around and getting yourself worked up? Like you need to actually enjoy stuff like that. Aye. It, it wasn't that game though. It was the game, it was a year later against the Hunts. Oh, was it? 1-1 now. Right, okay. And he basically came on and said that Miller McLeish won the Cup for Aberdeen that day. Everybody else was hopeless. And then after that, his wife says, "What well, you know, you've just won the Cup and us Cup and Gothenburg. Do you not think they were a bit tired? Right. Aye, well, maybe, aye, can. But it's funny <laughs> you say that, actually, right? So one of the projects I'm doing now, some people might know, is kind of book about season 85, 86, expanding it all, right? And one of the things I've done to get totally research is I've basically bought or seek to every Celtic programme for that season. And I'll tell you something that's really fucking brilliant about it is reading Jim McLean and Alec Ferguson's programme notes, right? Because, uh, you know, they just didn't make them like them anymore. You know what I mean? I mean, Jim McLean uh, spoke, used a programme note to absolutely eviscerate a fucking local Dundee reporter for being biased. Um, and he claimed this guy had, had, had called this game, it was like Return of the Alamo, and Jim McLean had printed all the stats and figures and all that, saying this is absolutely ridiculous. We weren't fouling anybody and all that kind of thing. And then one of the other programmes was Jim McLean talking about Joe Steen because he had just passed away. And in uh, one of the sentences he used was Joe Steen, who I counted as a friend, and there's no many of them about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and Alec Ferguson routinely slaughtered these players in the programme notes you know and uh, in one of the programme notes he's talking about Gordon Strachan he said and I know Don's fans have been kind of worried about Gordon leaving and all this kind of thing he said but he said and he did come into my office and say I was bored but I told him to bloody unbore himself and threw him out <laughs> you know he didn't oh something just came up there Paul on your Zoom remaining meeting time I, I can pause it now Pause it now. Okay, folks, we're going to take a break because Paul's unprepared and we'll be back <laughs> as uh, soon as possible. And we're back, although you wouldn't have noticed the difference. And somebody actually did send me a message saying that you should have some halftime music. So I don't know if you want to think on that for future shows. Um, I'd prefer something like, I don't know, I Dream of Genie. Um, don't know. I mean, it's better than that. Bye. So we're talking about uh, the nostalgia games. Paul, what have you watched? Anything? Uh, I watched the uh, Scotland versus Holland for the year yeah. ninety two. That was actually on my eighteenth birthday. Was it? It was. You remember we were up at two, was it? Big squad. Yes. Yeah. After watching the game, we ended up in um, 
what's the place? Was it the Mission at the time it was called? The three aye, levels. It's espionage. Aye, it's espionage now, but it was the it was the Mission. It was like that. I think me and you had just turned eighteen. Aye. Sparky was just coming up for eighteen, uh-huh. and we also had people doing it at the age of about fourteen or something, and we were already <laughs> after the club. It's like just expensive. can we just clarify that as they were friends and that's all it was. It was nothing yes. <laughs> untoward. It was the one thing five. I do remember about that actually was uh, a guy coming up to Gregory and asking him if he had any drugs and he said, No, I'm looking to buy some and then the guy was like, Well, I'm the bouncer, so you can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> or something it's the situations that Gregory always used to get himself into. But sorry, Paul, I that was because we actually played just to hang me, we actually played football doing it Salveson during the day. My old man took me for my first legal pint in the gunner at nine o'clock. Remember the gunner used to open at nine o'clock, was he? And I think yeah. it was I think it was a Friday, and uh, so he's like, Aye, I'll take you for your first legal pint. Was, you could tell it was begrudging as fuck, like. And we went in and it was wee David the Barman turned around, he's like, All right, Paul Lager. <laughs> 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 so that was that, but we played for an But it was uh, well, that was that was like that was like my moment. I went to BC like on my mm. my 18th birthday. Like I went at nine. And it was like and it was, it was I don't think it was David. What, what was the name of the boy that lost his teeth on the fruit machine? Oh, that was uh, Rab. Rab, aye. Was that, that no, was no, no, no. You can't just say, "How the fuck do you lose your teeth?" It was like, well, there's. I mean, he was a fucking bad anyway, right. but he, he turned around and it was like, he, he was a barber who liked playing fruit machines. I'm like, I should probably get a different type of job, to be honest, if you're that into the mm-hmm. puns. But fucking bye. But whenever he was playing, whenever he was playing the fruit machine, he would take his take teeth his and fucking put them on, take his teeth and they concentrate <laughs> on the fucking fruit machine and he would put them on the top. And apparently he fucking left. Yeah, right. <laughs> he left. But as Jose says there, like you see, Paul, when he tell us, it, it did sound like he lost it in a bet with a fruit machine or putting them in the fruit machine, like, you know what I mean? Or a game of cards or something. You've used them to dig uh. the fucking coins back out or something. <laughs> like that. I lost my teeth on the fruit machine. It was like, what? But, uh, but the fact the fact they had to take them out to concentrate is... is in, uh, aye. Aye. <laughs> How much do you have to concentrate on your teeth, by the way? <laughs> How do you need to concentrate on a fruit machine is the fucking bigger point. You just press a button. <laughs> That's you press literally one button. It's like fucking hell. Uh, uh, aye, anyway, anyway, so with that one, it was just... Aye, where did my face get fucking died a hook in the water? And I was like, ah, I want a free pint. So why the fuck would I be getting you a free pint? I was like, because my 18th birthday, I can never legally drink it here. Like, you've been drinking it here for about fucking five years. Mm. I'm like, aye, but I can never do it legally. So what's the fucking problem? It's like I am now literally breaking no laws. He's off the pipe. Aye, give me one, Peter. It was. Uh, so you mean that was basically the start of your downfall that day, then? Oh, fuck it. Well, I never stopped drinking really after that. No. I started at nine in the morning, mm-hmm. unconsciously fucking ten at night. Aye, well, let's let's Why get into a bit. Up? Now, now you bring that up, we'll need to get into a bit more detail about that because it's fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> so there was a squad of about I reckon twelve people for school, including. Me and Jose there uh, at his party, which was in the Willie Muir, the now defunct Willie Muir um, in Lo- in Granton Road. Well, or whatever the fuck the address was, because it was doing a lane as well, wasn't it, really? Or behind the shops. Anyway, so he came back with, Jose at one point came back with 12 double vodkas, right? So 
which was, you know, for fucking all 18, 17 year old, it's quite, and I reckon half of them you know, to school were just like, no fucking way am I touching that, like, eh? So I drank about four of them, and was like, oh, that's enough for me. He drank the rest of them, right? So that was it. Nobody else touched it, right? So, fucking, about an hour later or something, Ken, I'm like, ah, fucking staggering out or whatever. There's Hosey lying in the front of the Willie Muir in the fucking side of the road, unconscious. Completely unconscious. With his hands up like this, sleeping, right? <laughs> fucking suit on and all that, Ken, Pierty. And uh, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do here? And at that point, his old man walked out. So I was like, oh, fucking young Al's fucking doing, you know. And he looks at him and he's like, ah, fuck him. He says, you'll learn for the experience. And that was it, basically, again. Um, And then the next day, Celtic were playing Hibs at Celtic Park. And I'm fucking walking along London Road and this Hibs bus pulls in and there's Hosey fucking bounds off, right? White as a fucking sheet, right? And I was like, Jesus, fuck, you look like death warmed up. And he goes to me, ah, no, I should never wait up the tomb with you, eh? I was like, you never wait up the fucking tomb with us. <laughs> you go carefully fucking in, like... No, in, in, no, in fairness, at that point, I said, I thought I'd wait up the tomb with you. And I was like, oh, but I checked, I checked them all, but I was like, that, and all of I was just like, fucking spewed in the river. Like, I was 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 like, he went, you were just a fucking dead weight. So I fucking like, I carried you over my shoulder. I was like, uh huh. He went, so what's happened is that you've spewed in the stair at least three times. It's like, fucking so, you're going to have to go clean that up then. I'm like, no. He's like, ah, hi, we're going to the fifth one. It's like that. We're leaving in an hour. I'll make a bacon roll. Get to the stair and fucking clean the fucking, like, and, like clean your fucking spear. But that was the one where my vomit had actually. And taking a light and taking like the pattern of fucking sort of marble fucking flare fucking sort of thing out the bottom. <laughs> it was just like that. Fucking hips like that. Probably had too much to drink. See, Dav, Dav is right about you. You do drink too much. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, Paul, Scotland v Holland. Hi, <laughs> I, I, I was, I, I was just. It's how good that fucking Dutch team were. I think it was mm-hmm. what uh, Rijkaard, Koeman, Bergkamp, who. Mm-hmm. Van Basten it was really good to watch like, playing that quality at a big tournament obviously I've not seen too much of that I was saying as well that earlier like, bizarrely the Scotland squad numbers were assigned gone by seniority mm-hmm. so like I think like Stuart McKinney was number 9 mm. uh, Paul McStay was number 3 Ali McLeish was number 5 I don't know whose fucking idea it was to line us up like that it was absolutely bizarre <laughs> I'm trying, and, who, uh, what, who won that tournament? Denmark Oh, aye, of course, so that that was the tournament where they got in the last minute, wasn't it? Aye, aye. Yugoslavia just said that it's a civil war. Aye, because I because I, I remember watching the final in Europe. Who's Jose actually? Uh, the, when they won, uh, they beat Germany, eh? or West, was it West did Germany? We, did we not? Did we not watch him in the Maybe I don't know. I thought it was in Europe. I remember having a discussion about it uh, anyway. But um, the uh, it was a fucking that was the first time Scotland ever qualified for the European Championships, wasn't it? Aye, aye. I watched a, a wee bit of the, the game against the CIS the other night as well, mm. and they were fucking dreadful. They don't aye. think they should have been a good team, but they were murder. Aye. Aye, I think that was uh, one of the games where every cunt watching was like, fucking hell, Scotland are actually playing well and scoring goals. This is, this is quite remarkable, like, you know what I mean? 
it was uh, of course the only fucking problem I suppose was the fact that that was when the school teachers had taken control uh, which we'll come on to later uh, with Roxborough and that but what about yourself was have you watched any games you can what I've I've not watched any field games. I've watched like fucking quite a lot of clips and stuff, and it's like so the anniversary of Hansel Hibbs. So been mm. turning in and fucking watched loads of that. Another thing which I've discovered, which is not really nostalgic because I hadn't seen it, is there was a gif a fucking Kevin McAllister against Amaruso or Ibrox, mm-hmm. and it's like it's, it's honestly one of the best things that I've ever seen. It's like he turned like McAllister, so he he on the touchline. Turned and scored the ball at a dead standstill. Mm-hmm. Moves the ball up six inches forward, like, but he's fucking turned around and fucking so he dipped his shoulder a wee bit. Amoruso doesn't need to really buy it. He does it again. Amoruso, honest, fucking absolute fucking oop fucking hot dog and most of the fucking change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. He touches the ball twice and it's never the ball never goes above walking pace. The ball moves a bit fucking like a fit. And he's basically fucking sent a defender and let him fucking five yards on the way. It's absolutely sensational. Retweet it last week. I've already it. It's like, you should retweet it. It's super. <laughs> I must have watched that a week fucking 50 times. So that's probably the most football that I've actually watched. See, what I thought you were going to say was you hadn't watched any games because you were too busy with all these family quizzes you're doing now. <laughs> I've done one. Well, so you got ex- well, first of all, you done a family quiz last night. So was how did it, what was the format? How did it go? It was uh, it's Fiona, it's Fiona's wee sister. It's a it's a Fiona, who's your girlfriend? Yes. So it's uh, it was a wee sister's thirtieth birthday. Mm-hmm. So obviously cannot do any family festivities. So Fiona's wee brother had done a quiz like sort of family sort of thing. So it was like all based on stuff in nineteen ninety, which was actually remarkably unfair on the person who was born in nineteen ninety because she mm-hmm. can't remember fucking any of it. So was it every man for themselves or was it teams or? Just basically turn around like each each participant in the call. So if you want to go, four brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Four brothers and sisters. Sorry, they ain't like mum and dad. Uh, I, so I, that was came up. Sorry. So who won it then? We can second. We can oh, second. Well, that's Sixth, w- sorry. Sixth? Second duty six. Oh, second duty, I think she's six here. Um, no. You're just after going on about 30th anniversary hands off hips and then you fucking didn't want a quiz on 1990? There wasn't any hands off hips questions. <laughs> fucking outrageous. What kind of questions? <laughs> one, 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 one of the questions was... Uh, Czechoslovakia has its first free elections in 1990 since what year? Oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake. It's like, are they fucking kidding? It's like, but the, it turns out there was a bonus question like at the end of each round basically for Fiona's big sister's birthday. It's like, which of them happened on that day? Fucking sort of take time. And that's the one that it was. The reason why it was a question in the clip is because absolutely fuck all happened on your birthday. It's basically what, it's basically what you said. It was it's sorry. Fucking hell. Well, it's my birthday on Friday, but I'm not inviting you to a quiz or fuck all, I can assure you that. I'm just going to get fucking my gumbo in my house. Anyway, <laughs> uh, one of the things that's come to light, or I saw a story about, is the value, and this is something that I'll 
interests you, Paul, because you like playing with little men, um, is the fact that um, Sabutio prices are going through the roof right now. Assuming that people are in their house doing fuck all else and are, are, are purchasing it to play it. Um, the Sabutio, see my thing with Sabutio is that Sabutio is a lot better game to own than actually play. It's a pair of dots. You had to basically either the fucking you had to basically either the pitch every time you fucking played it. And it is now I know a guy that's got a lot of vintage Sabuto stuff, right? And uh fucking ever I mean teams for the sixties and you know, cups and fans and all this kind of thing. But the only thing he did at floodlights is grandstands. Ken and they used to have the grandstands. And I said, Why is that? He said, Well you can't fucking play the game if you've got them up. No, because it's thought. like you need, your, you need to be able to put your aim to. So it's just basically... It's like, we're not playing with any wingers today. There's stands up today. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. But what made me think is obviously Sabuto was a long time in that. Is there any other football games, computer games for the past or whatever you remember in glowing terms? Aye, um, I can't fucking name it now. Superstar Soccer for the Nintendo... See, Paul, see when I asked that question I said do you remember and you said aye and then you said I can't fucking remember the name that means no. I, remember, I remember the game Superstar Soccer Superstar Super Soccer. Soccer for Nintendo you say aye for the SNES what, what new year are you talking about uh, 92 or something Fuck, I don't remember that at all Sensible Soccer oh, Sensible Soccer Absolute fucking damage. That was like that. That was the best football game. It's well, ever it was like it's only it's the only fucking game that I've ever played. Like even including FIFA or whatever, where actually stuff felt like it was moving at the right speed for football. Mm. It's like uh, see, you play a quick pass, you play a quick pass. It's like aye, that's what you do. No, like, to it. it was like that. That was a brilliant. Well, it. obviously, you. I, I never had a computer in the eighties. Who's you did? It's, and Mark, your brother did, Paul. But the cunt always refused to get another mouse or joypad. So you were expected to just sit and watch him fucking play it. Um, but I think you're, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of dismissing a few games. What about On the Bench, Jose? On the Bench, sorry. Football Director. Football Director was good, lad. Tracksuit Manager. Emlyn Hughes. Emlyn Hughes, superstar soccer. Which was how your keyboard survived that. Because I'm sure there was a part where you had to press it really hard to run fast or something. <laughs> it was just fucking... Mental, but um, on the bench, actually, because it would it would tease you. It would go, duh, 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 and it would explode if you scored or just go, duh, if you missed. And it always fucking fascinated me, the fact that it took about an hour to load these fucking games. Aye. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it, was, it, was, it was literally the old tape. Aye, it was cassettes, I mean? wasn't it? Aye. Aye, absolutely. But aye, no, it's a beautiful, I mean, it's beautiful becoming like Lego. It's really fucking expensive now. Can't right. buy any of teams. Tabuto was always quite dear, aye. Mm. It, was all, it was always sort of like a film quite dear. But it was like, aye, no, you're right. In terms of, in terms of a game, you couldn't play it like film because that just didn't work no. at all. Like if you set somebody up a 4 4 2 or a 4 3 3 or something, it's like any, anybody who had any idea what they were doing would just be like that. Ah. <laughs> And then just fucking turn around and just rattle through your fucking entire. Aye, because the way you shunted the ball forward, the player was a bit like travelling in basketball, where you were only supposed to do a wee bit, but you would halfway up the pitch, and effectively it was you <laughs> just flicking it as hard as you could against some cunt who's got a tiny wee guy on an end of a stick <laughs> trying to save it, and the ball was fucking the same size as the players. 
was like if, if it was this scale, basically the, the ball was about half the size. The ball was about fucking half the size in the goals, and the players were slightly smaller than that. <laughs> fucking metal. Now I'll come on to this, Paul, because I know you're desperate to get involved in this. Uh, what did you find out about James Grady? Oh, aye. Uh, no, uh, I remember mainly thinking it was a wee prick as a person. That's what first came to mind. That's, that but, sentence uh, is going to come back, by the way. Just, but just keep going. <laughs> you know what I'm, you know I'm in the house of to come on. No, no. Come on, Lee. Special guest. He's it, he's on the line. No, he's it, you're done now. Um, no. uh, is it, I know, does it St Mirren fans absolutely despise him? Because they, they, they accuse him of ending Norrie McWhorter's career. <laughs> That legend of the game. He scored the aye. goal for Gretna that got them up. Aye. And St Johnston, aye, like it was the last kick of the ball and St Johnston thought they'd got promoted and went aye. nuts about it the whole season. And then St Johnston fans to this day still say that the SPL punted money to Gretna to keep them in the league to fulfil fixtures so to not be proven wrong that they couldn't fulfil the season. Um, but I'll tell you something interesting and that's why I mentioned that sentence, Paul is because somebody told me he has the smallest penis in Scottish football history. <laughs> what a claim. Well, it's the counter-claim, and it's, I brought in an expert on this, uh, your brother Chris, who claimed, <laughs> <laughs> who claimed, and I quote, because I didn't want to get sued, uh, that he had seen nothing like John Robertson's. Well, a good way or a bad way? In a bad way, in a bad way. All right. And then, of uh, course, I was subjected to all the huge penises he'd seen in various dressing rooms. Um, <laughs> and it was a Hertz player, I can't even remember who the fuck it was now, it was a, it was a black Hertz player that he quoted as having the best. It was an English boy. Um, he was doing the hamper at a game at Celtic Park and he said he walked into the dressing room and this guy was getting unchanged and he couldn't believe what he could see. Um, fuck who was it now it was about like the, the late 90s Paul Ken when he was in the fringe of the team I think I know who it is because I'm sure he's told this story before uh, Fitzroy Simpson no nah, it wasn't him it Beckford was Beckford that's it Beckford aye aye is it Darren Beckford so Chris is obviously the changing room fucking spy because he, <laughs> he's told stories multiple times I know. He always claims Craig Levine ended his career, but the hair's players probably just like, we've this fucking cunt spying on us all the fucking time, you know what I mean? Get rid of him. Get rid of him, like, you know what I mean? People have got rid of him because all the players were saying, he just keeps looking at our cops. <laughs> oh, for James Greedy to that. Um, but are you anything on James Greedy, Jose? Absolutely, fuck all. I can I can barely even remind him. I can remind him play for Gretna, and that was it. Oh. That was actually it. Oh, okay, and the game was Kilmarnock versus Celtic, 3-3 October 2011. Hi. Um, I remember watching that game. Mm-hmm. Was, hearts were awaited on film on that day, and you were there kick off. That's right, aye. Um, I think we were just watching it, because we played you midweek and beat you, I think, and then, and then... Or the week before, sorry. Aye. And I thought you'd bounce back with a win like, and, and show that you're hanging it. And it was, what, 3 now at half time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Some fucking game. Man. At, at that point, I remember, like, uh, one of the goals, I think the second was offside, wasn't it? Like, marginally, but it wasn't a given. Mm-hmm. And then Mulgrew had a bit of a mirror with the pass back for the third one. Mm-hmm. 
and I was just thinking, I remember watching it thinking, this, they're fucked. Like, I, did, I, I genuinely thought you were scunnered that day. Because that would have put you miles behind in the title race, right? Aye, I'm miles like, behind already, but that would have been... Aye. I mean, I actually watched the game in New York. I was living in New York at the time, and my, actually my son James was over visiting at the time, and we just I remember we were sitting in two chairs with the computer in the middle, and we just sat there and never said a word for 45 minutes. Um, he's like, what the fuck? And that was, you know, Lennon was kind of staring down the barrel of the sack, you know, at that point. That's what I was, that's what I was just going to ask, because I remember, but I'm going to say that Mike was playing tricks. Was, he was, if he's the host that, like 3 0 doing, probably would have been him, eh? Well, they, they kept doing what they always do in they kind of games, which they kept focusing the camera on Peter Lowell making mm. any kind of movement but, as if they go, oh, he's going to be sacked and all that kind of thing. And um, I believe that what Lennon says at half time to players is, look, if you want to see me here on Monday, you know, you better get up your game because I'm out the fucking door here. And of course, they come back and won, uh, drew three all and probably should have won the game. But in effect, this is the interesting part for me, is that that was the start of nine in a row that day. Because we, we pulled the league back that season and, mm. you know, won everyone since. And it just shows you, I mean, I bet you've both been in loads of games where that one game has determined how the whole access has went for years later. Aye. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, I mean certainly Hibs have been involved in a few names over the last few years. Hibs, are, Hibs basically fucking one of every fucking two years or something when you turn around and go, I that, that, or that fucking like turn around and cause that. It was like, uh, it was one, so you mentioned earlier, but it was like when Hibs were in the first division. It was like, Hibs were in the first division due to Jimmy Boko fucking try to fucking pass the ball rather than fucking score them against the hunt. It's like, it's Aye. absolutely fucking ridiculous. Is this a game where the Hibs are 3-1 up? Three, and it's 3-0, I think. 3-0. I think. It was 3-0 and he fucking ran straight through and tried to square it instead of fucking just fucking shoot it. Like, fucking scoring, putting us 4-0 up after about half an hour or whatever. Go beat 4-3. Absolutely fucked their confidence for the rest of the season. Mm. It's like that fucking led, led to Duffy fucking like so he got sacked fucking led to McLeish fucking coming in. It's like, just one of these things. But it is, it's like, it's no, sometimes it's not even a game, it's just like one moment in a fucking game that you can turn around and go, that had fucking huge fucking sort of ripple effects for, you know, like, for so long Because what was it, the film, have you seen the film um, Looking for Eric, the Ken Loach film? Aye, 100%. And he, it's, it, you know, it's basically about a guy called Eric in Manchester who has visions of Eric Cantona Aye. sorting out his life. But the start of that film comes up with the thing, the it all started with a great pass from Eric Cantona. And it was a pass he'd done against Tottenham that put in, I believe, Dennis Irwin for a goal. And Man United literally never looked back for 20 years after that. Aye. And they hadn't won the league or fuck all at that point, blah, blah, blah. But that's the thing, football, I mean, I don't think there's another sport in the world that can create the, the such emotion and passion and drama as football does. And I think it's weird because my stress levels, despite being in the job I'm in and all the rest of it, have probably never been lower than in the last three months because <laughs> I've not had any football. I didn't have to stress about the fucking football at all. I mean, it's I, unbelievable. I'm very much missing it. <laughs> but I... But I mean, it's like, I, the only thing that's changed in my life about football in terms of how much invested in it I am is I can be a, slightly more magnanimous about defeats. You know, I can appreciate that it's my, I'm sick 
other people are happy and all the rest of it. If they won fair and square, there's no problem. But it still hurts me as much. I, you know and I mean? like, I'm, I'm kind of like that. I've fucking, I've became less, less, probably slightly less fucking partisan. To be honest. Well, it's like that. You get beat. It's relative. I'm aware. <laughs> See, I, t- I, I, I thought you fucking took that to the extreme when fucking England go knocked out the World Cup. What way? In Robbie's. Where that English cunt was sitting next to us and you were kind of fucking consoling ah. him. And I was like dancing yeah, on the tables. I'd basically, I'd basically fucking like to watch fucking so much of the fucking World Cup and you know, he was there fucking like yapping him all the time and I'm like, ah, I'm glad you fucked. <laughs> I mean, that that was the level of sympathy. I'm glad that you just go me, but I. Fucking what, what do you think, Paul? Were you in the, in the mood for consoling England fans after they got beat off of Croatia that year? Aye, definitely. I was looking for memory. Because, it, you know, it's it's incredible, and we'll come on to this as well, but on a, on a small tangent, like, I always have this innate theory when England winning a tournament, when they're actually in it, that, you know... Because they're fucking unbearable. Aye. You look to the semis, you look at the aye. height of the Hudman. Aye. Football's coming home and all that, and... I mean, I remember there was a discussion, I think it was with ITV, where Ian Wright was giving it the usual cheerleader stuff. And Roy Keane was basically saying what you're saying, like, calm down, you're only in the quarterfinals and all that kind of thing. And Ian, <laughs> Ian Wright sort of tried to dismiss him. And Roy Keane just turned around to him and went, watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. Um, but, it's, 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 you know, it's, one, it's a thing that... Um, that's one thing that never leaves me when England I like England being in tournaments because it's always exciting and the coverage and all the rest of it but only if they at some point make a fuck up of it and you know you know they've got a decent side now and all the rest of it and I think the manager understands the players and all that and they, they played reasonably well in some games of the last World Cup but it was still incredible that football I think in that sense I mean actually I'll tell you a story I was in I went to so last when, when, when fucking hell this is two years ago now isn't it the World Cup so two years ago decided to go to Berlin for a week in the middle of the World Cup because I'm like Germany you can yourselves great football nation love the bevy all the rest of it so we fucking arrive the day Germany got knocked out right <laughs> it was like three o'clock in the afternoon and the whole of Berlin was like the, the air had just been sucked out of it completely it was like thing me but it did get better, and um, we watched tons of games just at this wee thing, could everywhere had a fucking telly, and uh, it was fantastic, Ken, you went to a fucking hot dog stand, they had a telly, you went to a fucking museum, they had restaurants, all had tellies, you know, fancy, you name it, but we spotted this wee thing, two euro a beer, Ken, fucking, baby, away like fuck, and there was a boy kind of running the show, who for seating and all that kind of thing, who was a Portuguese fan, a Portugal fan, right? And uh, so it was like Barry and, that, and he couldn't speak a word of English, but then I can't speak a word of Portuguese, so I can't really say any of that. And he was brand new. Every two days he seen us, two beers, Ken, that kind of thing. Anyway, Portugal then getting knocked out. So the guy disappeared for about an hour. Never, the first time, the whole time we'd been there, never seen this. I wonder what the fuck is. And he just appeared in a Brazil top with his hands up like, I'm now a Brazil fan, right? Like, All right, fucking brilliant. But the last night we were there was when England played Colombia. In that match, yeah. right? And it was fucking packed because it was losing. Oh, I thought, oh, fuck, I'm not really watching it with these cunts, Ken. So we ended up in this restaurant. It was a decent restaurant, whatever, eh? And it's like, oh, class now. I didn't give a fuck what you spend. Going to get fucking plastered and all the rest of it. 
And believe it or not, right, this fucking family, Colombians came in, right? Maybe 20 minutes into the game, and I, I'm so, but of course, by that time, I'm half cut. Fucking, oh, yes, yeah, like, let's go. And um, literally, because if you remember, Colombia scored really late on in that game, right? So by that okay. time, I was absolutely fucking magumboed, right? Fucking <laughs> went ballistic at the fucking goal gone in, right? Fucking, yeah, beauty. Jumping up on the table, jumping up and doing that. And went to turn round to fucking jump, uh, jump about with my Colombian comrades who were all literally walking out the door and looking at me like I was insane. You know, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, and then the, ba- the bastards won the penalty shootout. And I can't remember this, but Fiona, my wife, says, you basically just, when the fucking winning penalty went in or whatever, you just basically put your drink down and said, I'm waiting for bed. And just went up a fucking stair there. Um, but uh, cutting a long story short, as I didn't do there, I still think it's incredible that basically Luka Modric won that semi-final for Croatia. You know, much like yeah. a basketball player, there's still certain football players that can run a, win a game for people, you know? Yeah. Um, how we go for... Like, the hype for England, like, they only actually won three games mm-hmm. in nine minutes. And two were against Tunisia and Panama. I didn't think they were that good at all. Like, I think they had that they had that ability to sort of... They've got star players, like guys that came in that wall to get a goal... But I, I think they we were very fortunate to get as far as they, they did in that tournament. I mean, why were Panama they, they in that tournament? There was one. Was that? Why were Panama in that tournament? Was that a fucking <sighs> thing because they were keeping all the cunt's money, the, the dodgy money, and just let them... Because they were it fucking was, hopeless. Well, it was one of them, but it was like, because it was Panama that fucking knocked you, knocked you to America, wasn't it? Mm. It was like... Aye, was aye, and I'm sure it was like fucking they, they turned around and just basically got good results at all fucking and then picked up like one or two fucking like so results away as well mm-hmm. and it was like they go there on merit but it was like it was because America made a country in their tournament Aye. like America just made a total country in their tournament and it's like that, that's the reason why they were there it's like Wait, fucking fair enough there's something actually by the way it's just I was quite, just going to say though like we were talking about England I'm like because they had quite a fucking fortune in draw because everybody fucking like who would have been fucking when they playing them all managed to go out fucking in the group stages mm. it was like so it left them with a really easy path but it was funny because again sort of like talking about sort of World Cups and stuff and can you remember absolutely like the teleprogram you remember McGlashan where he's like fucking talking about aye fucking England fucking get Melchester Rovers with their third 11 through the fucking dog and duck and stuff <laughs> and I was like I turned around and I looked back at fucking Scotland's World Cups like over over my entire life Scotland have been at six World Cups and four of them they go fucking Brazil in the groups mm. and then the other two they go West Germany and Holland were the losing fucking finals. Aye, right. Hold that's it. like Aye. every okay. fucking world cup. Aye, but hold it a minute, yeah. right? So in, in fucking seventy four they go fucking Brazil, Yugoslavia, Zaire, right? Yugoslavia they should have beat them and fucking whenever. And then or we beat Zaire two 0 or whatever the fuck. And then I believe it was Scotland played Brazil the last game to quarter, wherever whoever it was, they had to wait or Brazil, whoever they were playing the last game. The the other game finished five minutes after and in that time, the team scored to not Scotland do it. But look at the fucking draw in 78. We had fucking Iran and Peru. And still managed Peru. to beat none of them. Peru won the shite. They won the fucking shite, but I tell you something, Scotland had a fucking good squad. Aye, they did. They did. I mean, I'm not saying... I'm not, what, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that this is an absolute injustice, 
what I'm saying is that Scotland, despite playing in like quite a less fucking World Cup games than fucking England, have still managed to play the result double the amount of time that England have because they keep getting them in fucking groups. I mean, the and thing it's like it... Scott, you if you're turning around and basically every time you qualify for World Cup, one of the teams you get is absolutely guaranteed to go through in that group. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's it is harder, and it means that there isn't any room for fucking slipping up in all the games. It's, and the... it's like. And that's basically what Scotland have done at every World Cup. They've managed to make a country in at least one game. I mean, talking about the nostalgia in Scotland and that, I watched some of the highlights of England-Scotland for 1977, you know, the, the goalposts and that. England were fucking rubbish then. I mean, honestly, fuck the player, Mick Shannon. Came, I mean, Aye. when you look at the players Scotland had playing, you know, you, you fucking guys, you know, that were playing top level, you know, English football and all the rest of it. And... Um, Convincingly, although I heard this, they had this English fucking prick on uh, talking about it, right? And he was saying, "Aye, aye." You see, Scotland used to always take these games seriously, where we always took it uh, took it as like a squad rotation type nonsense. And I'm like, that is utter pish, like. Absolutely. England pish. took it Absolute as seriously as Scotland did all the fucking time. Um, it's fucking. It is quite incredible, but is that that mean thing came up again, Paul? Uh, aye. So what the. What the hell is going on here? Are you fucking us about here or what? 40 minutes, wasn't it? Okay, that's why they're doing it all right. Right, well, we'll, we'll uh, turn it off and go again uh, in a couple of seconds and then that will wrap the show up in the last wee juncture, which nobody will notice because it will not make any difference to the recording, but for us, it gives us a small break. Okay, and we'll wrap things up with a couple of... Uh, first of all, I asked you to watch... We'll see if any cunt listens to me, I doubt it. But I actually used to watch a documentary called Return to Real Kashmir. Did you watch it? I did, I. But I did. I did. I did. I did. I also watched it before you suggested it, which right, is cool. probably quite. <laughs> um, now, as I said. I said in our pre show chat that this, when I saw this, I hadn't seen the first one. It reminded me, or it made me think that what, what would it be like if Hosey ran a football team? <laughs> um, because I mean, I never remember David Robertson being that kind of player, or you know, or being this kind of aggressive maniac. No. <laughs> um, when he played, um, I thought it was really interesting when they played the bounce game against the government team, and uh, he was shouting at the opposition manager about the player giving him the other how one of his players the LB, and he said, "I'll bust your nose," and it's that fucking big it would flood the pitch. <laughs> but but and, I must um, I must admit like I mean this is a, this is another wee tangent but is it just my opinion or is every fucking day there's a program about India on the telly right now? I can't say I've noticed. Well, there been there's that real Marigold Hotel. There was that. There was fucking the, that they can't Manx in Mumbai or something that's owned. Oh, I think actually. Um. So I don't know. I mean, by the way, it's a fucking place I'd love to go. Uh, I, I would like to go. I would like to go to India. Like, aye, aye. I'm sure about Kashmir. Like, well, <laughs> but the I, I, I'd like to go on an organised tour though, aye. because it looks fucking. I mean, I've seen these cunts on the train, and they were they were manxing me by right, and it's one boy from Cornish Street and a boy I can't remember where else he comes from. The three brothers, and they were sitting in like a half decent carriage with curtains and that. And he's like, oh, I thought the trains would be fucking what? And he went in. This was obviously first class, and it was like a. 20 quid for first class and a pound and it was literally people just stacked everywhere on the ah. train can you, you know hanging out and that kind of thing it's fucking mental but but I it's um, 
Did, did I think was he did Bobby Williamson? Where the fuck did he go? Was it Zambia or something or uh, Uganda. 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 But yeah, he might. I think he might possibly Zimbabwe as well. He managed <laughs> a couple of teams. Maybe went to another team, I. But he was a Uganda coach when Hearts had David uh, Obua, because he used to talk about Coach Bobby, and then he was like, "Fuck off, <laughs> <laughs> Bobby the coach." <laughs> Uganda, that, that Uganda's Garcia, fucking Idi Amin, is it that? Aye, aye, No, no, <laughs> no. Well, no. But, uh, Bobby, Bobby, Williams, Bobby, Bobby Williams then took over the fucking role the worst man in Uganda <laughs> but I thought it was interesting when David Robertson was um, it's his only BBC I player about it was a Ruth Hunter Yale Kashmir it's called but when he was searching for the internet connection <laughs> and he was just it, going to say and there was all the rabid dogs and all that going about I mean, Aye, I'll give that a bit I know like, fuck that <laughs> it's fucking it was, insane it was so creepy because he drove about two hours there in the dead of the night. Aye. And he was Aye. telling the camera crew, you, you can't come with me. Just Aye, take it was in. Me. It was, although I did kind of think with that bit, I was like, I, well, we didn't want to draw attention to this place. I'm like, I'm kind of thinking that <laughs> a fucking white fucking Scottish guy looking for some internet getting followed by a fucking camera crew would possibly be quite conspicuous to be honest I think he was trying it was just I was kind of like I get that this is a fly on the wall thing but I can't help but feeling that you're potentially putting these people in that stacks of danger since the Indian government could well put fucking them for having an illegal internet fucking like when there's an internet lockdown I was kind of thinking I'm not sure this has been that well thought through (laughs) just like but aye but anyway Fuck when he yeah. done that press conference and the boy asked him, "Did you what about the golfing class between you and other like that? Do you know anything about fucking football? You, I'm not going to answer that fucking question. <laughs> and before the game, he was saying to this team, "Are they shitting themselves?" By the way, again, we've got to fucking do them tonight, again. Before that, Scotty pulled that. Okay, what the, the whole thing? I I enjoyed that. I thought it was good. I was fucking the bit which was surprising to me. Was like where they go fucking totally emotional in the Buddhist temple, so it's like, mm-hmm. like fucking total altitude, and I was like that, fucking hell, and I was like that. It was like I was quite taken aback there. To be honest. I was like, but I, I quite enjoyed it. Wait, it like when they, how many uh, son went to the, the sort of bit with all the Scottish soldiers and things, I, and I, the guy. I mean, the thing I've not. I mean, the guy was basically came trying to say to them, you know, these were cunts, like, but Nadi in India seems to bear a grudge about anything you know just the everyday people they're so nice and respectful and um, whereas you know Scotland you know we, we bear a grudge about some kind of missing around or something like that again and <laughs> <laughs> it's like talked about like years later Paul, and they were up that uh, was it the highest road in, in mm. that area or whatever so it was about 13,000 feet above sea level and it was the most Scottish thing ever, man. Like, rather than look about and enjoy the views and that, it was just moaning like fuck about how hard it was. <laughs> I can't even fucking breathe here, this shite. It's shite up here, I hate it. I know, it's fucking mental, so, but uh, you should definitely check it out if uh, you've not seen it. And to wrap things up, it's another uh, bit in our series about how much of an arsehole was Craig Brown. Um, England v Scotland, Euro 96 has been shown. Uh, recently a couple of times and I actually was at work in a quiet bit and there was it was quite funny actually because uh, not that I can see much but I had one of the residents 
when he realised was what was going on, just shouted "Hail Caledonia." Um, not quite sure he thought he, he realised that it wasn't actually live, you know. But um, first of all, the first thing that stood out to me when watching the game was fucking John Spencer was playing. You know, I mean, as much as I don't, I mean, you've got guys like Ali McCoist on the bench. It's it's fucking insane. But again, it's Craig Brown's obsession with folk that played in England and big, strong guys. Um, Colin Calderwood at centre-half. You know, fucking... It just defies belief when you look at some of the players that were on the fucking bench. And also, I don't know, we kind of touched on this earlier, Paul, with the, the under-21 uh, squad that was in Barcelona just before right. it, that had got to the semi-finals. A lot of good players on, on show there as well. Um, and yet Brown still goes with his tried and tested fucking Spencer and Jury up front. Well, you know? It's, it's like, I think uh, like even one of the subs was like Ian Jess, who like, hadn't even been having a good time at it. Like, it was like, some of his choices were fucking bizarre, but talk about the 21s, like, he was never one for that. I think we've said no. that before. He was never one for no. bringing youth in when he had a 30-year-old centre-half or whatever he could bring in. Spencer wasn't even getting a game for him anymore for Chelsea. Was that right? Nah, sure he, was Chelsea the, at the time. he was I mean, you know, Alan McCoyst, I mean he was he, he wasn't at the peak of his powers then, right? But you know, it's still Alan McCoyst. I mean, if there no one thing about that cunt is he scores in big games, you know what I mean? And he's got the the, the, the kind of Midas touch for things like that, and you're thinking, he's fucking not even in your thinking. Um Back. and especially when I watched the thing, I don't know if you've seen it, the documentary, I think it was a couple of years old, Alan Shearer done about Euro 96, and he spoke to mm. Venables and all that mob, and he was, you could fucking tell the pressure they were under, going into that Scotland game, like, Ken, we'd drawn with Holland in the first game, so it's a fucking great start, they'd drawn with Switzerland, so it's a disaster, right. you know, you had the chance to fucking bury them, but of course... You know, I mean, to me, like, Gary McAllister, I watched it, he'd done absolutely nothing in the game, but I missed that fucking penalty. You go, John Collins is out in the wing. Fucking put him in the middle of the park and let him control the fucking game. Now, there was a guy at the peak of his fucking powers was about to go to Monaco, you know. Um, fucking insane. Even with that, though, I, I still think we deserve something for that game, but it's just that it hinged, you're talking about moments within games, obviously the penalty, mm. and then the, they go right to another end and score. Scotland were well in that game at that point. They were playing all right. Aye, they were. I mean, it was a shock. England were nervous, fuck. Aye, it was a shocking first goal to concede. Ken mm. Shearer's alone in the box. Um, but it's interesting, you know, know that I'm going to you know, blow his trumpet, but Gary Neville crossed the ball uh, for that goal. You've got fucking... He was 22-year-old at the time. We had Jackie McNamara playing in under-21s at 22-year-old at the time. You know, and instead of him playing, they've got fucking Stuart McKimmy playing. Another fucking, you know, old guard. And it, it infuriates me now, I think, because we're never in tournaments now and all the rest of it, that you, you look back at these things and you think, you know, if things had just been so multi, so a wee bit different, or if, as he claimed, right. at, the, he claimed at the time, Yuri Geller didn't fly over the fucking stadium and move the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They had, they had a bit of this they had like fucking Craig Brown with fucking sports and on the last fucking couple of days mm-hmm. and they were talking about the Switzerland game and fucking he turned around and he basically doubled down on fucking like what he did at the fucking time it was like that I fucking like so I that was us through so we were like ah oh, no we can just fucking like turn around it's like they're still relying on fucking Holland no scoring 
And you're also assuming that fucking Switzerland only got eight flights. It's like, get a fucking second goal. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it's like, but it was like, oh, and then we had to change the game plan again, fucking, and we see we had to get a goal. It was like, I mean, there was like five minutes left. So it was five minutes left, so you basically fucking wasted fucking like the intervening fucking period. Turn around and try to fucking shop shop against a team who was coming to fucking come out and try and score twice against you. Trick. Right. Absolute fucking bobbag. Fucking unbelievable. I mean, and, and you think about it, you know, so... Paul, was the tournament went on, I mean, England, you know, they, they get lauded for this great tournament. They played fucking well once against Holland, you know? They drew, they, they drew with Spain in the quarters, beat them in It was an absolute fucking travesty as well. Like, did mm. Spain not have three disallowed fucking that's goals? Right, and it was like that. There was only one of them that was one actually offside. That's right, that's right. Um, and then, of course, the Germany game, which Germany just kind of picked them off a wee bit. I mean, England... You know, I think by that time they'd convinced themselves they were going to win it, and uh, obviously never. But it does, when you look back, you think, um, you know, Scotland just, how many times they shoot themselves in the foot, and it's kind of like similar to, to 98. I mean, fucking dreadful in 98. But you just wonder if they'd basically said to Brown at the end of 98, right, that's enough. We're going to go in a new direction. It might not have turned out so badly in the, in the years after. Instead, they let him do another fucking tournament, which he completely fucked up the first game against England then. And then, because that was not a great England side, as he proved in the European Championships in 2000. Um, and yet Brown, you know, usual cagey as fuck, get beat to now. You go down there and attack them, you show you what you're capable of. Yeah. You know? The fact that he's man-marking David Beckham as well, he had Paul Ritchie on him. Like, why are you man-marking Beckham? Like, he's clearly a good player, but all he's... He's had 30 set pieces, especially. He's not going to cut you open and stand off him. He didn't even man mark him. He's not going to get away from players or anything like that. Well, the, yeah. I mean, the unfortunate thing at the time was, you know, Lambert was his guy and he was injured. And that just let Paul Scholes that get hammed and run riot, basically. Yeah. Aye. Aye, um, I, I genuinely think Lambert not playing was the, the reason for it. Uh, but I'll tell you something, if you think back to this game. This was talking about the fans. This was the first time I really noticed a change in the mood of the fans because um, God Save the Queen was booed absolutely incredibly that day. And I think that woke up a lot of Huns were like, holy shit, this never used to happen like this. You know what I mean? And that was the kind of first real seeing that the country was changing a wee bit, like, you know? I tell uh, you, talking about booing, like when we played them two years ago in the Griffiths game, the noise was incredible. Like the boon, it was like I've never heard a noise like it. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it would be pretty similar for that that game in '99, but I wasn't there. But like, I genuinely, in person, I've never heard a noise like that. It's great. <laughs> it was actually three years ago that game, by the way. Was it three fucking hell? I, know. I watched it in Las Vegas. I tell you what was fucking brutal about it, right? Watched it in Las Vegas. It was like nine o'clock. It was at five o'clock kickoff or something. And aye, aye. It was nine o'clock in the morning, and. The, the dinner dance it was a concerted convention it was the night before so everybody was still paralytic fucking thousands watching it right cheering on Scotland and I noticed the commentary was about five seconds ahead of the action and I swear to God I don't think a single other person noticed it so when Griffiths stood up for the two free kicks I knew he'd scored before he'd even put the ball in the fucking net Nobody noticed that. Nobody noticed the second one. And then I'm thinking, you're fucking unbelievable. I couldn't wait to get back and contact every cunt back came. Oh, my God. And I moved towards the exit. And I just heard the voice saying, and Kane's done it. 
And I looked up and went, what the fuck's going on here? And then they bob it over and they put it in the net. Eh? I think I've ever felt sick at uh, Scotland. Well, many games have felt like that. Because if you'd, if you'd saved the 10 minutes to go, you're going to get a draw at this. You'd be delighted because you're 1-0 doing. Who was it scored that's first what? thing for England that day? Uh, was it Sterling, I think. Who, Raheem Sterling. Because at that point, I thought, oh, you know, at that point, Scotland were going to get shagged here. Like, the, the gaps were opening and all the rest of it. But, you know, they fucking pulled it together and all the rest of it. Um, and it was a throwback, I think, to Brad. previous. Mate, no, actually, I think it was Sterling, so I think it was Chamberlain scored. Oxley Chamberlain. Oh, fuck. And then, because we, I, as I say, if you see the time. Maybe Black Lives Matter. Fucking hell, Oh, fuck. Hell, oh, man. oh <laughs> But I, the, the Griffiths free kick was what, 87, 88 minutes mm. or something. So if somebody told you with a couple of minutes to go, you're going to draw, you'd been delighted because you would have stopped them winning. Right. And to walk out feeling like you'd fucking been right. defeated was horrible. Right. It, was, it was like. It's funny, just just so you go back to you know ninety six. I watched the English. I, I watched it in a Ken Bobrama. They call the Dash Day or this. Fucking, did what I watched it in the early few days, and fucking the penalty. We went absolutely fucking berserk about the penalty and fucking like everybody got celebrated and fucking ended up the fucking flare. Everybody's like, oh, the boot. The time we stood up. He missed the penalty, <laughs> and it was like that. And all yours came in exactly the same conclusion. He took that too quick. I've seen him back since. He totally <laughs> takes his time. <laughs> it was just he, like that. Well, but a, the celebrations had managed to last the entire length of time. between you the penalty and I'm missing it. A couple of things on that. The, the Shearer documentary, I don't know who the fuck they were, but they had a family that were obviously Scottish and English. They had the footage of them watching that game. And when Shearer scores the first goal, right, the England cunts are up, so let's get in there. See when fucking Scotland get a penalty, honestly, they're fucking Scotland. Like, fucking get up, yeah! Fuck you! <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> I swear to God. And then it goes to delay. And the other kind of story is that on my 30th birthday, I went with uh, average Joe Miller to London. Uh, so it's 2004, and it was a day, that, on the day France were playing England in Euro 2004, right? So we were like, fuck watching it in a London fucking boozer and all the rest of it. We watched it in this hostel, right? Because it was fully foreign people. And uh, so it was like, great. So England went one now up that day, right? And fucking, you know, you're like, they played fucking France off the fucking park, eh? And then it was like 90th minute, fucking Zidane gets a free kick. Bang. And we went ballistic, obviously. Steaming, eh? And all these French boys and women jumped on us because they thought we were French, eh? Because we were celebrating so fucking mental. And it was exactly the same thing you described, Rosie. Came around the flare and fucking, oh, my God, man. <laughs> and I stood up and I swear to God, looked at the screen and I, and I just seen fucking Henri running away celebrating. And I'm like, they've scored again. And nobody could believe it. Like, <laughs> and they actually, it was Gerard made a slack back pass or something like that. And fucking, it was just a crime. And that's, again, it's football. Them kind of moments make all the shite worthwhile. You know, when right. you snatch something out of it, or, you know, obviously. Well, see, mean, see that very game, like, going fucking transport. Mm. It was like, I, was, I was in Barcelona. I was in Barcelona with you, and we'd said to fucking the hotel, like, the hotel, it was like, where would it be good to watch football? And he's like, oh, they've got such I was like, ah, it's going to be fully English, we'll tell you what we want. And he's like, ah. I was like, is there somewhere like local where locals would drink or whatever? He was like, oh, there's like a bar restaurant. So they were in the corner, and it's really just locals as how many tourists are in there going. I'd be like, ah, I've got a TV. He went, no, I've got a big screen for the World Cup. So yeah, 
Totally barely watching there. So we went in, ordered food, but I had a couple of beers and whatever, so we're watching it. And fucking France scored. And I've went, I've went fucking mental. Fiona's celebrating as well, despite being English, technically. Fucking. <laughs> shit, it was like that. The bar staff came, you're not English, you're just like that. Scottish! Ah, Scottish, yes. Yes. Who's you a bit like Metal Mickey there? Well, like, very pleased. And who's he's, is he gone? He's breaking up, I, I can, his screen's frozen here, like. <laughs> well, we'll just wrap it up there. Well, there, Hosey, you just completely went for about 25 seconds there. <laughs> but, right. uh, we'll wrap right, things okay. up so that was a good say we'll save all this for next week because we're going to do a Scotland special next week which is going to include um, Scotland v England games over the years it's going to include uh, tournament games and it's going to include a kind of review of 98 onwards and kind of where it all went wrong um, so hopefully you can join us for that it'll be a week yesterday um, because we were supposed to record last night and Hosey decided that he was going to be you know, like Max Bygraves or some fucking thing doing Family Fortunes and Les Dennis and all these fucking more um, and he even then disgraces us by only finishing second you know and I mean if I was sitting there the boy says, you know, the quiz is about 1990 I just feel like, just give me the fucking prize now there's no point in even fucking doing this but yes, we'll wrap it up and uh, so Paul, what's your week going to be this week? Oh, working. What is it you actually do? I am a test analyst. Uh, right, okay. And Jose, are you still paying the whole Edinburgh's wages? Ah, pretty much. Let me ask like you a fucking you. question, by the way. This occurred to me. How the fuck can you do a family quiz and you've not got a fucking computer? I've got... So what the fuck are you not doing this on a computer for and freezing up all the time? I've got a webcam well, actually, that's the truth. I've got a webcam, but I've never right. plugged it in. It's kind of I've never bothered plugging it in. Fucking hell. So, <laughs> like, every country... It, 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 it used to be plugged in, and it was like, nah, fuck it, I'm never using that so fucking much, <laughs> so I'm plugged in. Saving the planet, fucking one webcam at a time, man. And the Polis confiscated <laughs> it, man, like... Uh, right, on that note, then, we'll let you go, and we'll see you next week for our Scotland special. And, Paul, don't commit suicide at the end of it, Okay. <laughs> Uh, he's not even replied to that. That's that unbelievable. That so, are you actually considering committing suicide, Paul? Well, Scotland, no, that ship's that ship sailed a long time ago. Or do you try and fail, like, eh? Like, why, <laughs> okay, why, okay, why would you take the opportunity now when there's been so many in the fucking past? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so we'll see you next week. Uh, our extended special, so uh, hopefully there'll be no breaks. Paul will be organised, and Hosey will only disappear for a week. Goodbye. <laughs>